Hello and welcome to The Hearts Review with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Join us this week is Spencer to review the games against Morton and Inverness, talk a little bit about the trophy lift, preview Wraith on Friday, chat a little bit about the European Super League and UEFA reforms and what that means for Scottish football, and we talk a little bit about the pyramid system in Scotland. Right, so how are we this week, guys? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Sun's shining. The beer, the the pubs are nearly open. Yeah, what what more could we want? And the season's about to end, so all happy days. I'm going to chat a little bit about um, two games we played this week. Obviously, Morton um, earlier in the week and and, and Inverness. Um, Spencer, we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, that Morton game. Um, it was a bloody bore, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was a, a very poor performance. Um, I, I nearly fell asleep during it, I have to say. I think though, though, we nearly went 1-0 down in the first minute when they hit the post. That's really the, the only sort of chances I can think of. Of course, we had a couple of half chances, I would say, that nearly went our way in the second half in particular. But there isn't a whole lot to talk about, unfortunately. Um even some of the individual performances weren't very good. Just no creativity. I thought we were going to kick on after the 6-0 win against uh, Alawa, uh, yeah, against Alawa the week before. But it was disappointing, especially when you know, we'd won there 2-0 in December. I thought we played a lot better uh, in that game. But it was disappointing to, to get a 0-0 draw, especially against the team. Are Morton second bottom? Did they have something to play for? Are they still in the relegation play okay so I suppose I, I thought they had nothing to play for but now that you say that I suppose it makes sense that they're a little bit more plucky but I would have expected a win but it's just typical end of season performance wasn't it I don't even think you can call it an end of season performance I think it's just been a typical hearts away performance really um you know I mean I I'm I very much agree with Spencer I, I expected us to turn up and you know, with the pressure being off, we'd, we'd go there and be really expansive and take the game to them. And listen, I, I agree with Nielsen slightly that, yes, that the pitch was terrible to play on, but it's no excuse, really. I mean, the, the, the performance from start to finish was poor. Um, I mean, them hitting the post in the first minute really should have been a wake-up call, but it wasn't. You know, I mean, they kind of just sat in and let us have the ball and we just... I'm not saying that we didn't have the ability to break them down, but we just couldn't really be bothered breaking them down. Um, you could then see guys like Nandalee and, and Boyce getting extremely frustrated. They're having to drop in deep. And that just plays into a team like Morton's hands. You know, really, that's when you want your manager to um, to kind of come up with something different. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't. You know, I, I think I read somewhere that this is the first time in our history we've drew five straight away games in it. And it really tells, you know, I mean, you can you can look at, well, well, we're five unbeaten. Or you can look at it again and say, well, we're five without a win on the road. I'm more under the inclusion that it's five without a win, particularly when we're playing in the second tier. Um, so it was a really disappointing result um, against a team that we should be beating. And that's now twice we've dropped points against Morton. And, you know, people say, oh, what's, what, what are the Hearts fans moaning it? But when you can't beat a team like Morton who are very much trying to stay in, in the championship um, twice, home and away, 
then uh, you can understand our our, our grievances. Um, it, it was it was an extremely poor performance. Um, no shots on target. I think that just sums it up. To be honest with you, it was a very forgettable night. But I think the warning signs are there, and I think that's probably it's the most frustrating thing is when that game sandwiched between two really decent results and very good performances. You know, you think to yourself, well, how how can you then? play as well as you did against Alawa and Inverness. And I know we're at home, but it's not the point. Um, it's still a football pitch at the end of the day with two goals, uh, four corner flags and and white lines in the same places. So I, I, I don't understand how you can then, you know, perform like that with that quick attacking style and then, you know, just turn up and play like that on, on the Tuesday. And it's really, it's, it was frustrating to watch. It was, but unfortunately, predictable. Spencer, that, that game against Inverness, obviously, um, on Saturday, you know, first half hour, we, we played very well, you know, scoring three goals. Good to see as well Gary McKay-Steven um, getting on the score sheet as well. Yeah, it was the first probably half-decent performance from Mr McKay-Steven. I don't know if that's a bit unfair on him. Uh, two very good finishes, same with McInef as well. That was a good finish. Maybe questionable goalkeeping from Mr Ridgers, who we know very well. Um, almost similar the goals in that bottom well certainly the goal number one and number two in that bottom uh, left hand corner for him he couldn't get down quick enough which is interesting and the third goal was a disastrous mistake from Inverness's point of view but yeah it was a, it was a decent performance uh, you think maybe we'd go on and kick, kick on a little bit more especially when they get a man sent off we could have again maybe got 6-0 back to back but it finished 3 uh, a decent way to end the, the home season in, in the league. And we also got the title at the end of it, which I'm sure we'll discuss later on. Did, did, did Inverness go down 10 men? I don't remember seeing that. I'm sure they got someone sent off in the second half, did they know? I know Neil McCann got sent to the stand, but I don't, I don't remember anyone get sent off. No, Inverness never got any sent off. Maybe uh. a week before. I mean, to be to, to be fair, they, they actually should have went into 10 men for a, a foul on, um, who was it? Uh, was it Boyce? I think it was Boyce. There was, a, there was a high, reckless challenge midway through the second half. That should have been a red card, I thought. I thought Bobby would have been quick to get his cards out there. But um, no, I mean, listen, I'd, it, was a, it was a really good, but I actually thought it was a really entertaining game from start to finish. Um, which I was surprised because I actually was expecting more of the Morton game. Um, kind of hearts to turn up. Uh, I thought Inverness would uh, would would turn up and get results. In fact, they really needed to win it, and, and we didn't. But you know, credit to to the players, and um, they certainly put on a show. And I think if Hearts were you know six 0 up at half time, I don't think you could actually really argue with that. I thought the uh, the football was really good. I thought all three goals were well. The the first two in particular were very good goals. It was really good football in the lead up to them. Um. Probably a bit fortunate with the third one, uh, but credit to Mackay Stephen because he's he's not done it anywhere near enough uh, since he signed. You know that's the sort of performances <laughs> that we want to see from him. That's the sort of goals that we want to see him produce. And um, you know his link-up play was really good. He was certainly in the mood, but the I think the real challenge for him is can he do that consistently? And if he can, we've got a really good player on our hands. But um, oh, I think it was a good afternoon's work from Hearts. You know. Thought Inverness, um, 
you know, came out and made it a little bit more difficult in the second half. You know, they huffed and puffed a little bit, but Hearts managed the game out well. And to be honest, we should have added to to the scoreline. Um, you know, Boyce was unlucky. I think he hit, he hit the post midway through the, the second half. Uh, Nandoli missed a, a chance as well. So um, it was unfortunate that we, that we couldn't get, you know, a, a couple more just to stick the icing on the cake. But I think uh, it was a very good afternoon from Hearts. And, um, you know, next season and certainly going forward, if they produce performances and results like that, there won't be a disconnect uh, amongst the support. You know, you'll you know you'll see the the support sort of get behind the team, and and you'll see the club move forward. But the fact of the matter is, there hasn't been anywhere near enough of that, and um, that's the most disappointing thing because I think people can see the potential in the team, um, but they just don't do it often enough, and they don't seem to do it when it, it it's required. You know, when you're playing against Alawas and Rangers and Cup games, these are the sort of games that you blow these teams away but instead, you know, there's just I think it's unprofessional really um, and I think we, and I think that's that's the biggest gripe that the fans have um, when you sit and watch that on Saturday and think, you know, really good performance but then you cast your mind back to just Tuesday and it's just, it's night and day between the two performances and, uh, you know instead of sitting here and applauding them for a, a really good result and a good performance, we're instead just thinking, why can't you do that on a regular basis? And I think that's the the biggest question. Because of that, then Spencer, is there a, a slight concern about us going back to the Premiership? I think once Robbie gets his own, well, get more players in in the uh, summer transfer window that can play the Robbie Nielsen style of uh, football that he wants to, things will be different. He said that uh, there will be big changes in the summer. You've seen in glimpses this season what Robbie likes to do, whether it be on a 6-0 against Alawa or 6-1 against Queen of the South, the 6-2 against Dundee, the 4-0 against Wraithovers. Mr Nielsen does have uh, an attacking style of play that he does like to play. It's just whether or not we have the right players to do it. Uh, also 5-3 against Air United is another classic example of the way Mr Nielsen likes to play football. But we just don't have the players at his disposal yet. So once Robbie is given time, bring in his own players, uh, bring in people that can play the Robbie Nielsen style of football. We, I believe that we can have a good season next year. We need some pace, a little bit more creativity. Robbie has said that. And once he gets those players in, I believe that we can have a good season and challenge Hibs and Aberdeen for third place. But- Gosh, you, you, you didn't tell me you were bringing John Collins on the show. But Spencer, I'm going to go back on a few things that you said there. This Hearts team is probably one of the best Hearts teams on paper that you, that that we've seen in the last ten years. There's an expectation that we should be beating teams like Broda and Alloa, isn't there? Yeah, but they're, they're also tough places to go. These, these away grounds, you know, they 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 sit in and make it difficult. Robbie had a, an exceptionally hard job. Uh, the club was unfairly relegated in the summer. All the players were down. There was a negative feeling in the camp. And he's galvanised the squad and led us to a historic title win. Uh, he's once again delivered the title, uh, proving his capabilities as Hearts manager. And the way that he, he got that team feeling together was uh, was very impressive with some of these sensational results, like 6-0 against Alawan, 6-1 against Queen of the South, as I just alluded to there. Um, it's just, uh, I would have liked to have seen some more youth coming through. In these uh, in these games, in particular, towards the end of the end of the season, but I believe Mr. Nielsen is the right man 
to take us forward. And if he's given time and allowed to bring in the players that he knows we need, we can have a good season next year. Gordon, I made that point to Spencer about us having a good enough squad. You know, it's it is about finding the right players, but maybe not looking for you know the the wrong type of player, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't necessarily take much notice of what Spencer says. To be honest with you, I mean, he was convinced that Christoph Berra was the answer, so um, I think he's maybe just playing devil's advocate here. Uh, listen, I think Robbie Nielsen. You can't come. You won't unless he goes and wins the the title next year. Let's be honest with you. He's not coming back from a Brewer Rangers defeat. You know, people will always hold that against him until he actually goes and wins something. Um, I think if Hearts had won the Scottish Cup on on penalties against Celtic, yes, people would be pissed off by the Brewer and Alloa results. But I think we'd probably forget about it. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you aren't ever going to forget about the Brewer result. I mean, that was a disgrace. It's not a tough place to go. Don't give me all that nonsense. You know, it's it's a Highland League team. Hearts should be going up there and not even breaking a sweat. And uh, and it was, and it, you know, you can't blame pitches or anything like that because the pitch was immaculate up there. So it's complete nonsense. Um, our results this season, yeah, you can talk about, you know, 6-1 against Queen of the South and 6-2 against Dundee and all that sort of thing. But, you know, when you look at Hearts' budget, in comparison to these teams, we should be doing that anyway. And you look at the players that we have, we should be doing that anyway. Um, I get that there's certain pressures that comes um, with being overwhelming favorite, favorites in a division, but you know these guys are are extremely overpaid. Um, they play for a massive football club, and regardless of where there's pressure and expectation on them anyway. Um, they, they should have been doing that and they've shown that they can do it but they haven't done it on a consistent basis and you know who, who do you put that down to you know I blame for a large part of the season it was it was to do with the manager because he was pick, picking players that just aren't good enough now he's dropped some of these players in recent weeks and we have seen an upturn in, in performances and results and um, defensively was always the issue I mean we kept something like so many clean sheets in a row um, after Berra was out the team and everybody had said for ages Berra was nowhere near good enough to play for the football club anymore um, but for some reason he, 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 he kept with them and you know let's not forget and I'm not just blaming Be- Christoph Berra for every single result but he was a part of the problem and he was a part of the reason why we were down there you know even you know I constantly see people tweet about you know Jamie Walker why is Jamie Walker not on the team Jamie Walker's not been good enough anyway you know, yeah, he's come off the bench, he's scored a few goals, but he's he's been nowhere near good enough. Um, you know, the the it's finding the balance. People say, Oh, Henderson deserves a start. No, he doesn't. He's he's not been good enough either. He isn't good enough. There's players in there that people think should be getting starts. I, I personally think that the team that started the game yesterday is probably as close to our our strongest team um that we have. Um, now I think you know if we if we add in there, and I think if we add players to that squad, particularly defensively, still think we're suspect defensively. I think we certainly look a lot more solid with Suter and um, and Halkett, but I, I still believe that we need to significantly stre- uh, strengthen our defence. Um, you also need to look at uh, the, the the middle of the park as well. I think you know I like Mac and F. I do. I have to say I think he could be a really good player for us. Um, you know, hopefully we can get keep Peter Haring fit, you know, because he's, he's a fantastic player. But I'd like to see us add uh, a little bit more in, in, in the midfield. 
Um, you know, I think there's, I think looking at the Premiership and looking at teams, you know, maybe like your Motherwells and your Dundee Uniteds and your St Johnstons and maybe, you know, cherry picking players from these clubs, I think that's got to be the future. Um, I, I think we definitely need to, to strengthen and get a wee bit more depth up front. Um, I don't think we've got enough outside Nandley and Boyce to, to properly challenge. This is where you would look at who who do you bring in up front. And Spencer's talking about, you know, Robbie's uh, transfer policy and if we give him time to bring in his own players. Well, you you do have to look at his sign-ins over the summer. And um, this was before Joe Savage arrived. And, you know, he's brought in, you know, Elliot Freer, Jordan Roberts. You know, he, he talked constantly about how the, the squad needed pace and width. And, you know, I think, what he brought, was it was it four wingers or something he brought in? In, in the summer, four or three, and, um, you know, none of them, none of them play. None of them have played. You know, I don't even think any of them have gotten into double figures. Yeah, Ginelli probably would have, but, I mean, he's been injury, um, injured for the majority of the of the season, but, you know, uh, Roberts was loaned out, Freer's barely kicked the ball, um, Castanier, he's, he's barely kicked the ball as well. Um, so you know, I mean, we could talk about you know Robbie getting time to bring in his in his own players, but he, he has brought in his own players, and they've been nowhere near the team. They've been nowhere near good enough. So how how can you then turn around and trust him with another transfer window and say, well, I it's all right, wait till he gets his players in. I mean, we're going to be sitting here in January saying the exact same thing, and then another overhaul. Um, the the only thing for me that gives me comfort is Joe Savage. And, you know, he, he seemed to be the man who was buying the Nandalay deal and buying the Mac and F deal. They two seem like decent players. And I think going forward, they'll, they'll have big seasons for us. Um, you know, the Mackay Stephen one was, you know, obviously the jury's still out, showed what he could do yesterday, which was encouraging. But again, he hasn't been good enough for the majority of the season. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens in the summer. I mean, I think we're pretty much consigned that Robbie Nielsen will be the boss. So let's let's see what's going to happen. I just hope that they they do get the right players and and they sign quality rather than that, that rather than just a quantity of players. Um, otherwise, we'll just be in the exact same position all over again. Looking at the game yesterday, obviously we we lifted the championship trophy, and there's a lot of talk about do we lift it, do we not? You know, do we have a, a celebration? Do we not? That's the next thing. I mean, we, the club sort of compromised um, with lifting the trophy, but no fanfare around the XYZ. I mean, there's no fans there anyway, so to have fanfare would be pointless. What, what did you make of the trophy lift, Spencer? Yeah, it was fine. Obviously, it was a player's decision. It didn't look over the top. But the players made that decision themselves to uh, to lift the title in that way. It wasn't over the top. Nazy briefly did it and obviously got over it. By the looks of social media, they had somewhat of a party afterwards, but that's okay. That's up to them as well. I just, I'm just glad the season's over and done with. Let's just focus on next year, and hopefully, we never have to lift that title again. But with the way things are going, you never know. But I have faith in Mr. Nielsen that we'll we'll be good next year. Yeah, I mean, I was very much, I very much would have liked to have seen them just not lift it, but. Can understand why they did, um, and actually, I'm quite glad they done it the way they did because I thought, you know, if you actually look at like the reaction, certainly from other you know fans of other supports, they they seem quite rattled by it. Um, so 
it's pretty much uh, objective done, really, in that regard. They all seem absolutely seething by the sarcastic kind of lift that Naismith done. So, um, so no credit to him, actually, there. I thought that was quite funny, particularly the second one as well, I thought was even more funnier as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it was, it was quite, uh, for the, you know, uh, particularly when you've seen BBC Scotland, you know, they, they are, like, we kind of tweet about it, saying, is this the most underwhelming title celebration you'll see? And, and just looking at all the comments, I just had a chuckle reading them. Um, so, uh, cre- credit to them uh, there. No, I, th- I think it's quite interesting, the, the whole kind of situation, actually. And, um, you know, I suppose when when something like this starts, like a campaign on Twitter from the support, you know, you just, you don't really think about it. You know, you, you obviously vent your frustrations and, and say your opinion, but, I mean, you don't expect it to even, you know, actually go anywhere. But, you know, it's... Listen, the, the, the club clearly have came in for a lot of criticism recently. Um, they're still heavily being bombarded bombarded with criticism, and rightly so. Um, but it is good in a way that they've actually acknowledged the, the fans' feelings on this one, and um, and they actually came out and addressed it. So, yeah, fair enough. Although, but I, th- I thought the, the actual statement that they put out on the Friday was laughable, um, to be honest with you, you know, coming out with a, how it's the hardest league in Scotland to get promoted from and all this nonsense. So, um, yeah, but listen, it is what it is. I'm I'm very much in agreement with Spencer. You know, I mean, at least it's this is finally over. Uh, we don't have to think about this season anymore, and we've got a few months off. And um, the, the 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 rebuilding kind of really starts now, and um, it will be interesting to see where the club go. I think they've got to come up and hit the the ground running and be right back in the the in amongst uh, the challenge for Europe because the fans aren't going to put up with another sixth place finish again. You know, that, that was the problem in the first place. That's why there was pressure on them to go and, and spend money and bring in players and we were doing that, but it was the wrong the wrong players. It was the it was the wrong approach. And you know, you just hope that we've learned from our mistakes. Um I think we're still going down the same route, unfortunately. Um for me, you know, I think there needs to be a complete overhaul at the football club from top to bottom. But I say this every week now and um I'll continue to say it until it actually happens. But Listen, we'll see what happens in the summer. Um, you know, I like Robbie. I want him to succeed. But uh, I think, I just I just don't see it happening. I think we'll, we need somebody else to take us to the level that, that the football club needs to be at. Obviously, we've got Rafe on Friday, Spencer. I mean, you did say at the start of the season that um, Rafe would do not bad, to be fair. Yes, I always had a feeling they would do well. Mr John McGlynn is a very talented manager. He, you know... Fools don't get results at Anfield, and Mr. McGlynn got a result at Anfield. He's uh, proven in his managerial career um, just how talented he is, and he has Wraith Rovers sitting second in the league with one game to go. They'll come all out. They need the result. They don't want to be playing that extra two games against Dunfermline, so they'll desperately be wanting to, to get the three points that guarantees second place. So I think it'll be a tough game for us. We obviously don't have a lot to play for. I don't know if he'll change up the team. We, obviously, it's four clean sheets in a row for us, which is quite positive. I think Mr. Shea Logan's had uh, something to do with that, so he's performed quite well. But four clean sheets uh, in a row. I'd like to end the season with a fifth clean sheet in a row, and that would sort of prove that we're, we are progressing. But I think this will be a difficult game for us. It's one that, obviously, we have nothing to play for. 
as I said, they need the wins. So I don't know if what what the result would be. You know, you'd like to go there and win four 0 again, but considering they really need to win to get second place for them going forward to maybe returning to the Premiership, it may be a a difficult evening. Who knows? Gordon, it, it will be a difficult game because you know Wraith are only a point behind Dundee. We've not really got much to play for. Is it, is it a chance maybe to to play a few other players that have maybe not had a chance this season? Um, no, I, th- I think we should go there and win. Um, continue with the same team, get a bit of positivity because at the end of the day, if you end the season with a defeat, then you know you're just adding fuel to the fire of discontent, unfortunately. Um, so I think Hearts have got to go there and put on a similar performance. And I want Hearts to go there and win 4-0 again. Um, I want to see the same performance that I've seen on Saturday from the players. You know, it would have been easy for us to sit and say, there, oh, well, it's just can take it easy and see if we can get Inverness a result. But no, no, I think we should be going to Wraith and, and winning that game. Um, because get out of them and get, get out of the rest of the teams that are playing in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Uh, these were the teams that voted us down. So, no, I'm sorry, no sentiment from me. Um, go out there and, and give them a doing. That's what we should be doing. Um, and I hope we do. You know, I think I, I'd, I'd love to see a similar performance like we did against uh, Wraith on, on, on that Tuesday night back in January. I thought we were excellent that night. And, I mean, I think that was our best away performance of the season, to be honest with you. I thought the the pace and power, and I, I don't think anybody would have argued if we had won that game 8-0. I think um, we should be looking to go there and, and have a, a similar performance. And, um, you know, it's a Friday night. Weather should be good. So, you know, Nielsen's already spoken about how he, he likes to pitch up there. So, listen, let's go there and and um, and get results. Because we've got a good re- a record in Kokori, actually. Um, I don't ever recall us getting beat there. Um, certainly not for a long time. So, you know, we should, we should be confident and... Uh, I'm not so sure about playing players that haven't necessarily got a game because, I mean, you'd only really be looking at playing some youth players, wouldn't you? Because, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily trust the fringe players to play um, because they've had more than enough opportunities. They don't really deserve to put on a heart shirt again um, after the results that we've had this season. So, no, I, I would just go with the same team, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, you could maybe, as the game goes on, depending on the result, maybe stick a few youth players on to give them a few experiences. But, no, I think just go with your strongest team and go from there. Do you see a championship team possibly going up in the playoffs this season? Uh, yeah, possibly. I think um, you know, I think that the 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 sides that the th- the three teams that are involved in the playoffs, I think, uh, are all pretty good sides and pretty solid. I mean, you you wouldn't I think any of them could give any team in the the Premiership a game. I mean, well, you only need to look at Dunfermline. I think. You know they went out in penalties to St Johnston when they won the League Cup. So, um, you know I think I think definitely it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. I think you know whoever finishes uh, third and fourth, you know obviously I think it'll be Dunfermline that finishes fourth. I don't think they can move from there, but um, certainly whether it's Dundee or whether it's Wraith, I think it'll, they'll they'll both be interesting games. Um, you know I'd quite like to see a Fife Derby. I think that would be. It would be quite good, I think, for the uh, entertainment-wise to watch. Maybe if that was the the final playoff game, I don't know. But yeah, listen, I mean, it, the the way the playoffs is, it is difficult for the the championship side to come up um, because of the amount of games, particularly big games, they've got to play in such a short period of time. 
and you know you know you play against a team that finishes second bottom in the Premiership, but they'd only really play in two games. But it just depends on form and momentum as well. You only need to look at Livingston and the results that they got, and and then they played a perfect team who were just losing every week. Likewise, Hamilton and Hibs. Um, so it, it can go in their favour. You know, I mean, Wraith in particular are playing reasonably well at the moment. I know they lost at the weekend there. Um, you can say the same thing about Dundee as well. You know, they've ended the season kind of strongly. They seem to have found a way of playing again. Dunfermline have been a bit inconsistent recently. I, I think they've probably limped into the playoffs because in the fact where they were at one stage this season, it looked like they were they were challenging us for the league and, you know, they've just struggled to get into the playoffs. So, difficult to say. You know, one result could obviously turn that around, but I think, for me, it'd probably be either Dundee or Rafe, I think, and, and because of the form that both sides are in, I think momentum could be key for them. I think I'd maybe put Dundee slight favourites to go up um, just with it with the players that they have. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rafe or, um, you know, or even Dunfermline done it. would be a bit of a surprise if Rafe done it because, you know, they've just come from League One. Um, I know Spencer tipped them out. I thought they would go down, but credit to them. You know, they've, they've done well. It is a tight league, the championship, where, you know, momentum can be everything. I don't think there's too much difference in, in quality. You know, Livingston have showed that when they, they achieved the back-to-back promotions, you know, Wraith could do the same. Um, it's all about momentum. I think, you know, one promotion takes you up and you go from there. It's like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Hearts ended up doing well next season, you know, because they've got that bounce from the promotion. Um, that that tends to happen with promoted teams. Um, so, listen, it, it will be interesting. It'll be interesting to sit back and watch. I'm just glad that we're not involved in it because we'd make a complete arse of it. You just know it. Um so at least, uh, at least it should be quite entertaining. But yeah, I, I wouldn't bet against the, the championship team coming up. I think Ross County or or Kilmarnock. Um, I don't know who will finish second bomb. I mean, if Kyle Lafferty was to pick up an injury or a suspension or something, I think Kelly would be in trouble um, because he's he's kept them from going down automatically, in my opinion. Um, and Tommy Wright's a shrewd manager, as is John Hughes. Um, so that. You know, it's it's interesting to see which one of them how how they would fare, um, actually in the playoffs. But yeah, I think it's a good way to end the season. I think it'll be interesting to watch. Over the over the last sort of week, and there's been a lot of chat about um, the European picture. You know, internationally with football and the European Super League. And what did you make of that? I think it was done in the wrong way. Um, obviously, purely for these clubs' benefit and, and money and things like that. I think the overall idea of challenging UEFA, um, some sort of format to, to challenge the Champions League isn't necessarily the worst idea, but done in a, a, cro- a closed group sort of way where it's just these big clubs isn't the, uh, the best way to go about it. But I've always said, I think, you know, UEFA and the Champions League, especially this new format they're coming out, is, is not the answer. So that does need to be looked at. It's a disgrace that you know, the champions of our country, you know, whether that be Celtic or Rangers or maybe Hearts in a couple of years' time with Mr. Nielsen, have to play three or four qualifying matches to get to the the group stages is quite pathetic, really. So that that it's not really the Champions League, is it anyway? When when you have to do that. I think we have two places this year, don't we? So maybe it's slightly different, but I, I suspect it's still the same amount of qualifying matches to get through. So the idea of challenging UEFA and creating some sort of alternative 
competition isn't necessarily the worst idea, but doing it in this way where it's just all these big teams and no one else can get into it is is unacceptable and understand the rage and, and anger in that sense. But there does need to be reform in football. Maybe we'll see that in the coming years. Who knows? Surely the, this European Super League thing, I know there's a lot of talk in England. We've talked about it, Gordon. You know, as Scottish football fans, we've been saying that for a while. It is already a closed shop for these, these massive nations, the top five nations. You know, this is just sort of exacerbated it. And suddenly English fans are waking up to the, to this sort of thing that, you know, bigger clubs are going to, you know, try and take over football. I mean, from a Scotland Scottish football fan's point of view, they probably already have taken over football with these reforms, with how the Champions League's been. I mean, Spencer makes a good point there. You know, you know, the champions of every country aren't in the Champions League. I mean, it's going to the fourth place team in England, for example, you know, that place. That shouldn't happen, should it? Yeah, I think when you have small clubs like Tottenham Hotspur thinking that they're somehow a Super League club, just because they've finished fourth a couple of times over the last five years is when you have a real problem in football. Um, the, the, the issue with it is these people who run these football clubs are only interested in money. Um, they aren't football people. You know, they, they look at... Uh, you know, it's like because they have this Champions Cup thing that they play every year um, in, in, the, in the summer. And all these big teams play against each other in the Champions Cup. Now, listen, fair enough, you know, clubs have got to play friendlies and all that sort of thing. They, they see it as a moneymaker. They go around the world and they can see their fans in Asia and, you know, Africa and Australia and America and all that. And that's fine. You have no issue with that um, because football is a global sport, particularly the, the on the European stage. Um, clubs are, are well supported and I get that they've got to try and reach out to these, they, these their, their fan base all over the world. That's fine. I've got no problem with that. However, these owners have looked at this and thought, you know, we could just do this all the time. You know, who, who needs domestic football? Look at look at the crowds we're getting. Look at the money we're getting. Look at the sponsorships that, that you know, would, would back this. And they've just thought, do you know what, let's do it. And the, the pandemic coming along, I mean, it's always been sort of talked about or you've always heard rumours of it, but I don't think anybody ever took it seriously. Um, but they've now looked at this pandemic and they've thought, do you know what, we're losing money. We need to maybe do something drastic here. Let's 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 go and do that. And it's totally backfired on themselves. You know, I think it's just the arrogance of them. You know, thinking, I mean, who 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 on earth do you think you are? You know, you're not. You're custodians of these football clubs. You aren't the football clubs. You know, the football clubs belong to the fans. And it's great to see that the backlash because I mean, it just shows you that how little fans. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know which chairman said it but one of them came out and, and called football football fans in this country legacy fans and we're wanting to reach out to the new fans I mean how out of touch and disgraceful is, is comments like that I mean real legacy fans I mean the, the, these are these are the, the football clubs belong to these people that they're their communities you know what I mean the, these people come in here and, and want to treat them like franchises and just you know take the name and, and the kit all around the world no, that can't be allowed to happen. The, in my opinion, they should all face criminal charges by what they've actually done to football. These are very dangerous people. And hopefully now we do get reform. I mean, the Premier League's been heading that way anyway. I mean, the money they spend is just disgraceful, certainly when you, you compare it to, you know, the rest of the UK. I mean, it uh, really is the rich and the poor. I mean, it's, it's not even a, a level playing field. Um, and then, you know, you look at the rest of Europe, I think, 
probably Eastern Europe is 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 a part of of UEFA that, that gets neglected, and these clubs are unhappy. Um, the fact that you know Germany and England and and France and Italy have too much kind of power in in Europe and UEFA, and I think I, I agree completely. I think there's going to be reform. However, it shouldn't really be coming from the big six clubs who get everything on a plate anyway. I think it should be coming from the rest of UEFA and the rest of the clubs. I mean, this new format's a disgrace as well. You know, just because a club's won, you know, just because AC Milan, who granted they're second in, in Serie A this year, but I mean, before that, I mean, they were nowhere near the top four. I mean, they were struggling to get in the Europa League, but suddenly because they've won six European Cups, that they're entitled just to go into the Champions League every year. Likewise, Liverpool, you know, can all, all these teams who, just because you've won trophies in the past, somehow you're, you're guaranteed a, a place in the Champions League is ridiculous. And I mean, nobody wants to see even more games. I mean, listen, I, I love watching football, but I mean, it's just, you, you almost kill the feeling of a big game if you're just playing them every year. You know what I mean? Like Bayern Munich against Manchester United or you know, even Real Madrid against Liverpool. You know, you would look at these games in isolation once a year and you think, oh, great, that's a tasty tie. I'm looking forward to that one. But see, when you're seeing it every year, the novelty just wears off. Even the friendlies now that they have. You know what I mean? I'd, normally you would be, oh, that's, that's a friendly. I'll watch that game. But it's just it's just shite. You know, nobody, nobody wants to sit and watch it um, because, you know, you're just, just dragging it out. And uh, this crap where you're going to have a 32 league and the highest 16 or something, Will uh will go through? No, not for me. I think um to make the the European Cup more um competitive, if you want. I think that the beauty of the group stages is teams like uh, I don't know Slavia Prague, for example. You know, getting into it and playing against Barcelona. Um, you know, teams like uh, you know, you had a few of the, the the smaller Ukrainian sides or a Polish side. You know, or even you know, it's, listen, Celtic and Rangers are massive football clubs, but the fact is, you look at the the level they're competing at, they can still have that opportunity to take on your Barcelonas and Real Madrids and you know your top clubs and stuff like that in England. And that that's the beauty of European football. I mean, Hearts playing Liverpool, you know, five time, well, six time European Cup winners playing Hearts. You know, I mean that that that's the beauty of European football. And I think all this nonsense just to say oh, it's got to be more competitive. No, not for me. I think it's got to be. You know, I think the current format's fine. I think it's. Uh, I think there, there, there's no issue with it. However, I think that more should be made for champions of divisions rather than giving them out to teams who finish third and fourth in their league. That, for me, is if you're wanting to take anything away, it should be that. Uh, I know where UEFA are coming from, and I know people's gripes and saying, "Oh, it should be more competitive," but really, it should just be made fairer. And I think it should be. And I think by doing that, it would eventually become more competitive because smaller clubs would be able to get, there'd be more of a distribution of finances. So therefore, naturally, that would, would you know, make the gap kind of, it would bro- it make it smaller. The gap would become smaller um, rather than bigger uh, between the big teams and the wee teams. Um, and if you're given clubs who are big clubs and have won trophies in the past uh, a free pass into the, the Champions League every year, that gap will only get bigger anyway. And the only way it's going to become competitive is just between the big clubs playing each other. Nobody wants to see that. You should be looking at everyone becoming more competitive and getting better and the gap closing. And by doing that would be uh, making it fairer for teams like, you know, whoever win the Premiership 
uh, up in Scotland and, and whoever win, you know, the French League and the Dutch League and the Danish League and, you know, so on and so on, and even the Swedish Leagues and Norwegians and all that sort of thing, you know, they should be all entitled if they win their division to go into the Champions League group stages automatically. Then by all means have, you know, give clubs in, in each league a second place or something like that. Um, that's ultimately where it should be, you know, the Premier League, La Liga, um, Serie A shouldn't be getting four four places in Champions League. It just shouldn't be happening um, anyway. And then they, they, they come out with this nonsense. So for me, the whole thing stinks. And uh, I think they've they've definitely got to do more and, and hopefully um, reform all over the world, not just from UEFA, but from governments um, can be led and, and we'll have, you know, hopefully a fairer game in the future. Gordon makes a few good points here, Spence. I mean, it's ridiculous to think, you know, a, a team that finishes seventh in their league could end up in the Champions League. You know, like you used the example of AC Milan, who have, apart from this season, been very poor. I mean, if you take this back to, like, save the put these reforms in the 1990s, you know, Nottingham Forest, who were struggling in the Premier League, would have probably got a, a, a Champions League place. You know, that sounds ridiculous right now, but because they'd won it twice they would have been entitled to that Champions League place. It is ridiculous, isn't it? Well, yeah, of course. But that's why it's not been a Champions League for many years. Um, and that, that's part of the issue with the, the entire... I barely watch the Champions League anymore, actually. I've lost interest in it. I've not took a, a great interest in it for many years. Maybe because Arsenal aren't in it anymore. Um, or any Scottish sides, for that matter. I do like to see the Scottish sides do do well to an extent. It's not good for our game when Celtic or Rangers are losing 7-0 or whatever it is and getting knocked out, not just the Champions League, but the Europa League as well. So it was good to see Rangers doing well in the Europa League. Celtic very poor in the Champions League. We'll see how that changes next year, of course. But yeah, it's, it's not. It needs, it needs reform. That's why I wasn't that disappointed. I mean, obviously, as I said, disappointed with the idea of being a closed shot for this new Super League. But the idea of challenging UEFA and creating some sort of new tournament is something that does need to happen. But it needs to happen in a way that that's fair and is open for other teams to, to get in, in particular Scottish teams as well. And hopefully the future changes because, you know, people like Sepp Blatter who are no, no longer in the picture anymore, but... These were the people that were running the show not that long ago. We're going to chat a wee bit about um, sport and integrity um, just now as well from a Scottish perspective. You know, obviously, we've got the pyramid playoffs coming up. Well, not coming up. I mean, we don't know if they're actually going to happen. Um, both Broda and Kelty Hearts were quite um, adamant that they want to play their playoff between each other. I mean, both won their leagues last season and I think they only played a handful of games this season, but still both finished top of their leagues. Do you think it's a bit rich of the SPFL to, you know, go on about this is football and this is a great Scottish game and, and we, we have real integrity um, on their social media and then, you know, potentially stop a playoff game between bottom of the table, Breakin, who only, who've only accumulated six points in League Two against this pyramid playoff? Yeah, I, I actually scoffed when I seen them put that video out. Uh, I was saying this is football. I just, you know, I actually tweeted them. I says, listen, didn't you get your high horse? Yeah, I, I think it's disgraceful, to be honest with you. I mean, the fact that the Brecon chairman is on the, the SPFL board and, and he has an extremely um, 
you know, massive kind of input from the looks of it. I don't know how because they're, you know, they're they're a small, tiny club, but he has a, a real influence, it would appear, uh, on that board. And it was the same last season, you know, they were the only club not to get relegated. Ridiculous. Um, so, no, I think uh, for me that it's got to happen for the integrity of football. Uh, you look at last season and uh, and these clubs, Brora and, and Kelly, you know, they missed out last year on the opportunity of getting promoted. Um, that shouldn't be able to happen for a second season. I think the pyramids uh, has been good because, I mean, you only need to look at the success of Cove Rangers and, excuse me, and uh, Edinburgh City. Um, and then you have Annan as well, who, who came up recently. I think what well, they've replaced Gretna, but I mean they've they've done well since they came up. And I think that is it's a good thing, you know. I mean, listen, teams like St- um, sorry East Stirlingshire and um, you know Berwick Rangers have, have struggled since they've went down, but that's ultimately because you know they 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 haven't run their football clubs properly, and I think they deserve to be in the divisions they are. And I think they'll you know they've even came out publicly and and admitted that, you know, and they've said that the playoffs sh- should still happen. Because um, ultimately, if they hadn't, these clubs would still be in the divisions. But breaking is the same thing, you know. Aye, they were in the championship a few years ago, but they've, the decline has been staggering, really. And they deserve to be where they are. They're the worst team in Scotland, and, well, certainly in the football leagues. Um, so, you know, Kelty, Kelty Hearts and Brewer Rangers are two ambitious clubs. Um, who have done a lot, who have invested a lot of money into their football clubs and and they want to see themselves get promoted and I think you know they should have the opportunity to do that um, and I think they will, I think definitely, I think that's, I don't know what, what the, 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 the fear is from, from the SPFL, I think they should be encouraging it because I mean these clubs are will be well supported, you know they will do though, they'll be well supported clubs uh, it's like, you know, teams like Linlithgow Rose and all that, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the junior teams, Auckland like Talbots and all these sort of teams, you know, they, they are, they're well-supported clubs and I think we should be encouraging these teams to come in and, and get themselves promoted and, and, and join the Football League because I think it's, um, you know, I don't think there's, an, there's, there's a difference between junior football and, um, you know, part-time football. I, I just think, you know, they're basically one of the same, really, you could argue. Um, so no, I think I think we've got to to encourage it, and for the sake of sport and integrity, I mean, if it was if we were so worried about sport and integrity in this country, um, you know, the the scenes of last summer wouldn't have happened. Um, so I do think it's a bit ironic that you do see certain football clubs coming out now, uh, beating the drum and saying that you know, uh, the Brecon's got to go down and these clubs have got to come up and all that sort of thing. They've changed their tune quick enough from last year, but. Um, the point still remains. Uh, I think, you know, ultimately they've finished the seasons. Um, they've all played the same amount of games. I mean, Brecon, quite simply, I, I can see it from their point of view, you know, that they haven't played a full 30-odd league game season. Um, however, they did agree to a shortened season and there were still enough games for them to get themselves promoted. Uh, to, sorry, to stay up. So it's not the same situation as us, where our season was just curtailed and just stopped straight away. You know, there wasn't that opportunity to play games. It's not. It's not the same thing. I think this one's totally different in the sense that they've they've been playing games. They've had an opportunity. They knew when their season ended, and they 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 had time to get themselves out. Looking like that's not going to be the case, and you know, fairly, um, it will be done in the football part, and they'll still have the opportunity to beat. Either, you know, they're not just going down, they'll still have an opportunity to play. 
Cove Rangers or Kentley Hearts. That that's the point. It's still in their own hands. Um, so it's nonsense, really, and and hopefully common sense common sense prevails, and uh, the playoffs are allowed to happen. Gordon makes a good few good points here, Spencer. I mean, look, looking at we looked at Champions League reforms. I know we're going from one end of the, the spectrum to another, but should there maybe be an argument of you know if you finish bottom of League Two, you should go down. You shouldn't even get a chance at a playoff. You know, with these clubs are very well supported clubs, and Gordon's, Gordon's right. You know, we should be encouraging teams to to go through the pyramid and invest in Scottish football. Yeah, I think you're right. Certainly, if you finish bottom of Scottish League Two, you should be relegated. But what's happening with the Highland League and the and the Lowland League? I mean, I can see Broader Rangers have only played three games this season, and I think Kelly Hearts have only played ten, uh, sorry, twelve or something like that. So, how many games are they going to be playing? Uh, is there is there been a set out on when their seasons are meant to be finishing or? But well, well th- their seasons are both finished. But I, I did make the point that last season they both won respectively won the leagues so over over okay. a two two year period with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know they they should really play these playoffs, shouldn't they? I mean they have been the best two teams for the two years. It's not as if you know one team's played or one team's finished you know mid table one season and just find themselves top. Yeah, well, listen, when you put it like that, I wasn't familiar with the, the whole thing, but it seems like they would be entitled to some sort of playoff if they want one. Uh, yeah, it is a bit suspicious that uh, he, the chairman is on the board and maybe having decisions on these uh, on these matters, which, again, does highlight last summer. But I, I think you're right. You know, if you finish bottom of any league, you should just be relegated and it should be an automatic, uh, you know, relegation and promotion sort of thing. But... There should definitely be a playoff going on. I think it's the only fair way to settle this. I don't even know why there's debate around the whole thing, to be honest. It, it does make our game look quite bad, though, Gordon, doesn't it? You know, it just makes it look like it's so unprofessional. Yeah, but it's lived like that for years, Ross. You know, I mean, it's people at the top of our game aren't fit for purpose and they haven't been for a long time. And, uh, you know, yeah, people are, are up in arms about the Super League and all this sort of thing, but... You know, at the end of the day, our our, our league has, has been disgrace, you know, from top to bottom. It's needed reform uh, for a long, long time. And, um, you know, I just find it ironic that the SFA and the SPFL are jumping on the, uh, the bandwagon of, you know, condemning these football clubs and getting right behind, you know, the, the football for the fans and all this sort of shit. And, you know, the fact of the matter is they don't, they don't care. They never have. Um, for a long, long time, they're only interested in themselves. And you know, really, if I was ever a politician or running for government, I tell you, one of the first thing I would be doing is launching an independent inquiry into Scottish football, and I, just from top to bottom, you know, I mean, it's like it's our national game. Um, you know, it's the heartbeat of people's lives, of communities, and uh, and there's so much potential in Scottish football. You know, I always I, I laugh as well, I scoff at this crap that you read, you know, when we're talking about a British Super League and Celtic and Rangers were leaving and, you know, all these expert opinion uh, pundits giving their opinions, you know, Scottish football would turn into the Welsh League. How do you work that one out, right? The Welsh League, the top team in Wales is TNS and they have an average attendance of 1,500, right? You've got teams like Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, Dundee United, etc. even the Fife teams who all have season tick holders now of uh, well, well into double figures, right? Um, you know, 15,000, 16,000 season tick holders, right? That's with, you know, and realistically, they're not going to see their teams win it. 
it's very unlikely they're going to see their teams win anything. Now, if you then have a, a, a more level playing field in a division, you know, and the thing is, it would put to bed all this crap about needing four Celtic and Rangers games per year. That's why we've got the smaller division. That's why we've got the split and all this sort of thing. That would put that away. So therefore, you could probably reconstruct the league to make it a bigger, um, you know, premiership. You could have a bigger uh, first division and the championship. And then you could look at having, you know, your Highland Leagues and then your um, Lowland Leagues or whatever. And you could pro- and then you could maybe even, you know, bring in the junior teams and make it one big sort of governing body. And everybody has that dream of becoming champions of Scotland. And I think it would, de- yes, listen, you'd have your teams like Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, who would be the, the bigger clubs. But there's absolutely no reason why they, the, the smaller clubs couldn't then compete. Um, and you'd have a, a much more... Um, a, a product that would be much more viable to supporters in this country outside the old firm, and I, I, I absolutely guarantee that that you know people would come out and support them, and you would get bigger crowds watching these teams. Um, you know, Kilmarnock's would start getting bigger crowds again. St Mirren's, Motherwell's, even St Johnston. You know what I mean? It's only you know at the start of the millennium there. You know, the late kind of ninety eights and stuff like that. They were getting you know nine thousand and stuff like that. Um, you know, the fans are there. They haven't gone away anywhere. It's just they're sick of the product and they're not encouraged by the product. I mean, nobody wants to see their team play Motherwell away and Hamilton away twice a year. You know, when in reality, you could play one of these teams once and then you could have, you know, a trip somewhere else in Scotland and, and it would be a really exciting league. Um, you know, and people talk about, uh, you know, about what would the TV deal? The clubs would go bust and all this sort of thing. They wouldn't go bust because you would then come up with a, a, a new sponsorship deal. People will always be interested in Scottish football, regardless of Celtic and Rangers not being there. There isn't going to not be a TV deal. You would be able to get a TV deal um, because there's, it's still an attractive product, but we don't sell it that way. Um, you know, we haven't, got a, we haven't even got a sponsor right now. You know what I mean? If we, you know, we could get a sponsor, we could get a TV deal. I mean, you could even say to clubs, you know, I mean, look at Hearts, for example, um, and I'm sure Aberdeen and Hibs will be in similar numbers, and I've, I've mentioned this before. You know, we're getting 20, 25,000 people watching a stream, you know, per weekend. Um, you know, that's that's nearly 10,000 more than than our average attendance, nine, ten thousand 10,000 more. Um, so you show that, you know, if, if clubs were given the opportunity to stream their games, because I don't think it would turn away fans from actually going to the game. I think what it does is it just gives people a, a better opportunity to invest in Scottish football and give them a better opportunity to actually watch their teams from whether it be all around the world or even in Scotland. They just don't get the chance to go every week. But they have that, But if you give them that opportunity, and that's why Sky have jumped on this bandwagon that was announced the other week there saying from next season, you know, um, they are giving uh, Premiership teams the opportunity to stream um, every single game, you know, on a pay-per-view basis. Now, what that's done is that's taken away from the clubs the money that they, 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 you know, like this season, for example, they were just getting the money. Now Sky get the money and it just becomes part of the TV deal. And so, you know, you'll be lucky if, if the, the clubs will actually see 5% of that income. Sky will actually gobble that up now. And fair play to them, you know what I mean? It's it's a smart move. But the SPFL club should have went piss off. We'll be keeping the money, but and they should have been allowed to do that for a long, long time. But they, but even even when fans are back, they should have the opportunity to stream the game and give fans an opportunity to play uh, on a, a pay per view platform because clubs would make money from it. But instead, Sky have said, and do you know what? I, I won't be surprised if this is a new norm for Sky if they continue with this throughout their entire TV deal with Scottish football. Um, giving fans the opportunity, but they'll they'll be the ones that, that get most of the money. So 
you know, I think we just do ourselves no no favours and, um, you know, we've got to have, I, I think this, um, you know, the current setup in, in Scotland is, is poor. Um, I think we had a real chance for reform, not only in the summer, but back when we, uh, back in 2011, we had a chance and we've, we've missed those opportunities. I think, you know, there's got to be a, an independent board that runs Scottish football and, um, you know, I think there's going to be a huge amount of reform, unfortunately. But I just think it's ironic that, you know, they're jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, pointing fingers at other organisations and things like that when we should really look at our own. Uh, yes, um, Scottish football needs reform quickly. Thanks for that, Spencer. <laughs> um, and that's the end of the show. Thank you both for joining me this week. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can end the season on a high and never talk about the championship again. Until then, goodbye.